I want to invite you today to join me in bringing into your mind a picture of someone or someones. Now, this could be a person uh, very close to you, maybe a son, a daughter, a mom, a brother, a sister, someone that you love and you have spiritually labored over this person, maybe for months, maybe even years. Uh, You've prayed over them. You've shared scripture with them and, and maybe testimony with them. And yet even now, as you think about this person or these people, uncertainty wells up inside of you and you are just uncertain about their spiritual condition, about whether they are saved or not. I want to welcome you today to God-Sized Living. We're going to be talking about a topic that I I think is maybe a little bit different, but it's one that belongs to all of us. Uh, It's one that I believe is maybe one of the more painful and personal uh, sides to what it means to follow uh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to give it a name today. Uh, I like to call this the paradox of powerlessness. So kind of follow me on this. You know, I, I know, and I think you do too, that we live in a world of power, We love power, as Americans especially. We want to have powerful cars. This is kind of funny. I looked this up this week, but the fastest car in the world uh, can drive at speeds of up to 770 miles an hour. Can you imagine that? Holy smokes. I, I had no idea. We want powerful airplanes. We've harnessed the power of atoms. It's just, we we love it. It's part of our, our lives. But you know what? The greatest power that we have on planet Earth, it's not an atom, it's not a, it's not a nuclear weapon, uh, it has nothing to do with that. In fact, it's something that, uh, as followers of Jesus, you and I carry around with us in our, in our hands and in our hearts, it's the Word of God. I want you to think about this, that with one word, you talk about power, with one word, God called all that exists today into being. With one word spoken through a man named Moses, God does what? He's able to split open a sea. Uh, God speaks and it happens. Uh, we, We know power. And yet there's a flip side to that power. I want you to think about this with me, that God has also given to mankind the power to push him away, to actually push his word away, to push faith away. And today, what I, what I want to really deal with and, and kind of get into is this question about people that we love, people that we care about, and what does it mean when those people are, are pushing, pushing God himself away? Let me tell you what got me thinking about this uh, a little bit. Um, it's actually the 2020 United States Census. Now, I, I know as a fact that none of us really like censuses. We don't like taking them. We don't like participating in them. And yet censuses can be so, so rich from a data perspective. Um, I, I think about this. I think, you know what? Businesses use census data to make critical business decisions. Uh, political leaders use census data to actually draw district lines. But there's a spiritual side to censuses, too. And I I think we know this, that one of the questions that that people answer when they take a census is a question of of religion. Are you you a religious person or not? Now, this I found fascinating, that this past year, 2020, uh, 65% of all Americans uh, self-identified as being Christian. Now, what does that mean? Well, Believe it or not, we, we could dig down 
and really uh, kind of comb through uh, a multitude of questions given the data in our census from a spiritual perspective. Uh, what does that mean for Protestantism? Did it grow? Did it shrink? How about Catholicism? What about world religions? All kinds of questions we could ask, demographical questions, age questions, uh, all of it. But I think the more critical question is what I'm going to call a categorical question. It's the category itself, Christian. So when somebody's taken a census and they take out a pencil and they, they fill in that little box that says, I'm a Christian, what actually do they mean by that? And this won't surprise you. We know this, right? That that word, Christian, we, we know this is a very broad term. It's very broad. Um, we're not not necessarily sure what a person means when they check that box off. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. I personally, I know a couple of people that are Wiccans. They're modern day witches who honestly, if you ask them to check off the box today, they would check off. They would say, yeah, we're, we're Christians. Um, now believe it or not, we would say, well, you're not, you're witches. But they use the Bible. They, they quote Jesus often. If you listen to them, you might say, hey, wait a minute. These people sound pretty good. Maybe they are Christian. Now, they're not. But they're using the right words. Does using the right words make me a Christian? It, it doesn't. And, and, and I really started to think about this as, as I read the last part of the third chapter of the book of Daniel. And I want to come back into this narrative today. So I want to ask a question. Think about where we are in this narrative, uh, where we left off last week. Three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, walking out of a furnace alive. Just kind of remember the scene. These are three men, uh, Judean men, who defied the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's ordered them to death, capital punishment. Uh, we're going to put you in a furnace and we're going to burn you up. This furnace, uh, you talk about hot, is several thousand degrees hot. No, no human being could stand it. And yet they walk out of that furnace alive. And today we get to read this last part of chapter three. And the question I'm going to raise up and I want you to be listening for is, as Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian political leaders uh, witness this miracle, it's a miracle. Uh, does it cause their conversion? What do they do with a word of God that's coming coming for their hearts? What do they do with it? Uh, does, does this miracle result in conversion? I want you to, to ask yourself that question as we read these verses. I'm going to pray for a little bit of insight. Dear Lord, we are asking you for that. Just help us to really listen to what's happening in this scripture and discern. What does it mean to, to have your word come into our lives. All right, I'm going to be reading from Daniel chapter 3. If you want to join me, this is verses 27 to 29. Uh, let's just read the text. It says, And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of the men. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command 
and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb for limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God. Listen to these words. For there is no other God who is able to rescue them in this way. Are we listening to somebody who's witnessed a miracle and who has come to faith? Or do their words just kind of sound right, but their hearts are really not there? Two, two observations as we look at this. Observation number one. I don't want there to be any question about this, that what we're witnessing here is definitely a political move on the part of Nebuchadnezzar. It has to be. He is the king. He's issued this decree, capital death, for these three men. They've walked out a lie. Now, he has to do something with that. So he gathers his political team around him. They've got to make a decision. He has to make a decision. Uh, am I going to re reassign them to capital punishment? Or am I going to release them? What, what are we going to do? So as he gathers his men around himself, he's gathered a, a group of pretty powerful people. They're power people. Uh, and yet what, what most power people don't recognize is where their power actually comes from. It comes from God. And so in, in a sense, there's a little bit of, of comedic humor going on here. Men who feel like they're powerful and a God who's watching them, who says, you know what? I, I use governments for my purpose. Does that even to this day. And he's, he's going to use Nebuchadnezzar for his purposes. Now, what, what happens? Nebuchadnezzar not only releases uh, the three men, but he gives them a promotion, right? And he makes this edict. Don't speak poorly of their God and anyone who does, you're going you're gonna to suffer capital punishment, right? So part of us listens to this and we think, man, he's there. He's there. We want him to be there and we're not alone. Listen, God wants Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He always has. He created Nebuchadnezzar for himself. Do you know what Daniel, I think of the many, many nights that Daniel's gotten down on his knees and he's prayed for this pagan king. God, he's an evil man. He's a hard man. I watch him do things that he should never do. But God, I know this, that you love him and I, I love him and I want to see him in eternity. God changes heart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're coming out of the furnace. Do they hate Nebuchadnezzar? No. You know what? They love him. They want to see him converted. And yet, what is the greatest power that mankind has been given? It's the power to push faith away, to say no to the very word of God that has the power to convert us. Again, I call that the, the paradox of powerlessness. We feel powerless in the face of people who are pushing God away. And this, this is the, the second observation that I want to make here is that while it sounds good, listen, what Nebuchadnezzar says sounds good. I mean, listen to these words again. He says, there's no other God who's able to rescue in this way. It sounds, you're there, Nebuchadnezzar. He's not. Uh, we just need to read the rest of the story and we realize he's not there. That yeah, He believes that there's some God. That, yep, that some God out there that belongs to these three guys did this. But is he the God? No. Nebuchadnezzar is not there. And part of 
of our hearts just break when we read this story because it, it brings us back to some questions that I want to raise up for us today. The first question I want to put in front of you today is who, who is, who's your Nebuchadnezzar? Who are those people in your life that like Daniel, you get down on your knees and you pray for? Dear God, I love this person. They're my best friend. Dear God, this is my son. And I want to see him in eternity. But right now, you, you, as you observe the, the fruits of their life, nothing but uncertainty comes to your mind. I, I don't see it, God. And I, I'm asking, I'm begging you, God. Would you bring them to faith? God says, I want to. But they also have that power to push him away. Who are those people right now? Second question, what's it doing inside of you? I think there's something healthy about us coming together as Christians and just acknowledging that this is painful stuff. Uh, There's a a Greek word that I often like to turn to. Uh, The word is pathos. Literally, we translate it passion. Think of the passion of the Christ. Uh, Part of it refers to the passionate love that God has for us. Uh, He he loves, he he created us for himself. Uh, But the other side of passion is pain. Is the pain that comes from, from watching somebody that you love reject you, walk away from you. And I think we experience both. We love people richly and deeply. But there, I don't think there's a greater pain than thinking about someone that we care desperately for and thinking, you know what, I, I don't know if they'll, they'll be saved. There is that pain in our lives. I think it's, it's healthy for us to acknowledge that and to come before God today and say, God, I... You have even a greater pain, but I'm praying. I'm not going to stop praying. Bring this person I love into eternity. I'm, I'm asking for that. And it kind of brings us to this last question, uh, one that we really don't even want to ask, but I think that you have to. And, and the question is, does there ever come a point when this person that I love crosses over a line in which they become no longer redeemable? They become literally unsavable. When I ask that question, everything inside of me wants to scream, no, there's, there's no, no, no. And yet I want you to hear today some words from the book of Matthew chapter 12. This is verse 3. Matthew 12 verse 3 says this. It says, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Now listen to this next words, but... The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, and listen to these last words, in this age or in the age to come. There's no escaping this. The reality is, can a person cross over that point where they they become unredeemable? And the answer is yes, they can. That's the bad news. That's the hard news. Especially when I'm thinking about people I love. Now, here's the good news. You and I cannot know when that time comes, nor do we want to. Only God judges a heart. So here's what the Bible tells us. Always approach people, even the Nebuchadnezzars in this world, as though they are still redeemable. Till their very last breath, never, ever, ever, ever give up on them. Continue to join the Holy Spirit who is pursuing their hearts, with the love of Jesus Christ. Never, ever give up. Today, I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me, uh, because I I, I do believe that 
uh, as you're listening to this podcast, I do believe that every one of us has those people that we're naming right now in our, our hearts and minds. I want to pray for you, Lord, that, that you would just give us some kind of peace along with some sense of urgency. God, we, we desire. Let us use your word and let your word have, have an effect on the people that we love. I'm going to ask you to pray for me this week. Uh, we need it. Uh, as we're taping this, we're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving and Advent and Christmas. I just, I'm just going to ask for your prayers right now because I, I believe the Holy Spirit works powerfully during this season of the year particularly. Well, that's it for this week. I'm hoping this podcast is helpful to you. If it is, I'm just going to ask you to pass it on to somebody else, somebody that you know and love. And look, uh, we're going to open up chapter four next week and continue our journey uh, through the book of Daniel. Until that time, God bless you and, um, and be with you.